Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. The FT. Hello, I'm Tom Burgess and I'm an investigations correspondent of the FT. I used to cover West Africa and that's where I originally came across the murky tale I'm telling in these podcasts. In a remote corner of West Africa, there's a mountain range called Simandu. Underneath lies the world's biggest unexploited deposit of iron ore. It's worth billions of dollars and it's the prize in a battle between the biggest beasts of the mining industry. For years, Rio Tinto, the Anglo-Australian mining house, had sole claim to the rights to prospect Simandu. But then, the ruler of Guinea cancelled Rio's rights to half of the mountain. He handed those rights to another, lesser-known mining company. It was called BSG Resources, or BSGR, and it's the mining arm of Israeli billionaire Benny Steinmetz's business empire. How had BSGR managed to wrest such a coveted prospect from a giant of the industry? That question would trigger one of the most far-reaching corruption investigations of recent years. Episode 1. The Mountain The earth is red beneath the thick forests that cover the slopes of the Simandu Range in the remote southeast of the Republic of Guinea. The colour is the only sign of what lies beneath, premium-grade iron ore in vast quantities. Far away, in the courthouses of London and New York, some of the wealthiest and most influential companies and magnates in the mining business are locked in an intercontinental legal battle to control that ore. By the end of 2014, the world's biggest iron ore miner, Vale of Brazil, as well as BSGR, Rio Tinto and the Republic of Guinea, were exchanging claims and counterclaims about who had conspired against whom to seize the rights to the mountain. And nearly two decades after it was discovered, no one had mined an ounce of Simandu's ore. It was all rather reminiscent of the Mexican standoff at the end of Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. I don't, I don't know who's got to lose. I don't know if anybody's got to lose. I don't know who's dead. I don't know who's alive. I don't know who's caught. I don't know who's... Only with writs instead of handguns. And instead of gangsters fighting over the spoils of a diamond heist, executives were tussling to control a stretch of African mountainside. This was a battle that offered a glimpse of the inner workings of the global economy, of the roles that magnates, middlemen and the sheer force of money play in capturing the natural resources of some of the world's poorest places. The battle isn't over. It's not yet clear who'll win, or indeed if everyone will end up losing. To understand it, let's start by going back nearly two decades to that African mountainside where it all began. In the mid-1990s, Rio Tinto persuaded the Guinean dictator of the day, a chain-smoking autocrat called Lansana Conte, to grant it rights to prospect among the rainforests of the country's remote southeast. 
Beneath a mountain range called Simandu, Rio struck ore. Geologists would come to regard Simandu as the best untapped iron ore deposit in the world. This is the stuff that's used to make steel. Apart from crude oil, it's probably the most important commodity that feeds the industrialized world. Guinea was a tough place to operate. It's one of the world's poorest countries. Political unrest is common, so is malaria. As Lansana Conte dissolved government after government, it took years for Rio to secure the permits it needed to start mining. Exploration work continued, but some officials came to believe that the delays suited the company just fine. Why spend billions building a mine, a 700-kilometer railway and a port to export the ore when you could use that money on cheaper projects elsewhere? But then, an unwanted advance by one of the big beasts of the mining world raised the profile of Rio's Simandu prospect. The world's biggest mining company, BHP Billiton, launched a hostile takeover bid for Rio Tinto. Here's Tom Albanese, Rio's chief executive at the time, in a CNBC clip from the New York Times website, talking in 2008 about why Rio rejected BHP's bid. I can see why BHP is attracted to us, but again, we see even more value compared to what they've done. So we've just, we've taken, we looked at their offer, we gave it, our board gave it careful consideration, but we did not see it even coming close to the value proposition of running Rio Tinto on a standalone basis. Rio Tinto's executives said that the offer from BHP Billiton undervalued their company, and they pointed to a hitherto little-known project in Guinea, namely Simandu. Rio ultimately fended off BHP's approach, but others began to take an interest in Simandu. And the Guinean authorities were growing frustrated with the long delays. In 2008, by presidential decree, Lansana Conte cancelled Rio's right to the northern half of the deposit. Rio hit back, denying the government's claims that the company had broken the terms of its permit by going too slowly. This is what Sam Walsh, the head of Rio's iron ore division, said at the time. His words are read by an actor. This is a matter that is under very heavy discussion between ourselves and our joint venture partners, the World Bank. We are in the midst of discussions. We will fight for our rights. That fight is still going. Six months after the Guinean government cancelled Rio's rights in 2008, it gave them out again. Not to one of the multinationals that dominate the iron ore business, but to BSGR, part of a privately held family empire whose main financial beneficiary is Benny Steinmetz. BSGR had already been granted exploration rights to some smaller Guinean iron ore prospect. Once it had secured the rights to the northern half of Simandu, it wouldn't be long before the company sold on a lucrative stake in its Guinean assets, pulling off what a veteran of African mining called the best private mining deal of our generation. But there was a lingering question. How did a company with scant history in Guinea persuade its rulers to hand over rights to such a precious resource? BSGRs always maintained that everything was above board. But as I'll explain next time... A subsequent investigation by the Guinean government would conclude that it involved a dictator's wife, a French intermediary and a multi-million dollar bribery scheme. Thanks for listening. The music was by Guinean master drummer Mamadi Keita Jebofola. The producer was Fiona Simon. To read more FT investigations, go to ft.com forward slash investigations. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.
Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.